everybody. Liz and I are here. And thank you so much to everybody who has been listening. It's really fun to see that you are and definitely feel free to let us know what you're enjoying about the podcast, anything you want to hear us talk about um, that makes us excited to come up with ideas that we know that are going to be relevant for you all. And if you have a friend, a yoga friend or otherwise, who you think would enjoy, we would definitely appreciate you sharing the word. So thank yes. you. Thank you guys so much. All right. So we are going to get into our highlights and lowlights. <laughs> All right, Liz, you want to go first? Yes, I will go first. So if you follow us on Instagram, you may have seen that I borrowed a friend's puppy this weekend. Um, she is like five or six months old. She's part French bulldog and maybe a little something else, but I've never had a dog, um, in my life. We've dog, we've watched other people's dogs always at their house, but I've never had a dog and I've never watched someone else's dog in my home. So she was with us for five days and it was the best thing ever. (laughs) Best. I had so much fun. Uh, she was very naughty. Um, but in like the cutest way. (laughs) And I was like, I totally get why people use dogs for like therapy. Yeah. Like this makes so much sense to me. So having her was my high. And then my low is the fact that he wanted her back. (laughs) I, I had a point during the weekend where I was like, what if he's decided that this is just too much for him? And he actually wanted us to watch her for the weekend to see if we would keep her. (laughs) disappointingly that was not the case (laughs) he did in fact want his dog back (laughs) but i'm trying to come up with like a co-parenting schedule for us (laughs) yeah i think that seems right yeah it feels like the way to go (laughs) i mean having a puppy myself it's the best oh my gosh she was just i mean she would like she when she slept with me at night it was just like the sweetest, I don't even know. It was just the best. And who doesn't want to wake up to something licking your face? Before? I mean, come on. Come on. And she's so little. Henry now is like 65 pounds. He's like the size of a 10-year-old. Oh, he's a child. <laughs> so he used to sleep in our bed. And then we were like, this is like having a third full-grown person in the bed. So this is yes. not going to work. <laughs> it's hilarious. So he gets to snuggle before we go to sleep, and then he has to go to sleep, and it's great. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's still – I don't know what she weighs, but she's super tiny. Right. And so it was like she would either, like, curl up down by my feet or up by my head. Oh, I this is really sad. <laughs> <laughs> we should move on before you're like, I'm sorry, I have to hop off and go get a puppy real quick. <laughs> to go grieve somewhere. <laughs> Oh, man. She did seem so cute. She was the sweetest. What about you? Okay. So my high is about you. So it's getting to share the word about our new YTT that you are leading. I'm so excited. Yes. If I didn't have a dog this weekend, that would have been my high. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's fair. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know, I just use the lingo YTT, which means yoga teacher training. Um, And it's the 200-hour training that we offer, and I'm not able to do it next year. And so instead of having another year go by that we're not offering it, um, because I also didn't offer it this year because I had just moved, uh, Liz is going to do it in Nashville. So we are so excited about this because 
I know you and I both believe so strongly we need as many people out there who are teaching with these principles and really wanting to create a welcoming environment for their students as we can get. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm so excited and I can't wait. And I don't know, it's weird to be excited and anticipate a group of people that you don't even know yet. <laughs> but I know it's going to be just really great. And I'm, I'm honored to be able to do it. So yeah, it's always such a journey. And so great to be able to see everybody from the beginning to the end. I feel like that's yeah. my favorite part. Totally. I agree. So if you are hearing this and you are interested, we will have a link in the show notes so that you can get on the email list when we send that information out. So that's going to come out um, this coming Tuesday. Yeah. And if you get on the list, you will get the email about it. Yes. Okay. So my low, which I'm going to try not to turn into a high, but we'll see, is (laughs) that I had to have some hard conversations with family over the weekend, which is not Mm -hmm. my favorite thing. Yep. Um, And it's so tricky to strike that balance between boundaries that I have thought about and feel like are important for me to have in place. Yeah. Versus other people's feelings and expectations. Yeah. So whenever I set a boundary, then I feel like I can do it sort of in the conversation. But then after the conversation, I'm like, this was a big mistake. I feel so guilty. (laughs) Yeah. You find yourself rethinking the way you said things. I should have said this. I should have said that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like we should have done this in a therapy session. I don't know. So... Not that any of my family would be willing to do that. (laughs) Um, But then we had a follow-up conversation and it was fine. So it was such a good good reminder that, number one, to give people space to process, that they don't have to like get right on my same page immediately. Right. Um, And not that there's no space for negotiation depending on what the boundary is. Um, Yeah. But then also just to let myself have the feelings of, I need to set this boundary. Oh, this is terrible. I should retract it. Just wait a minute and see what happens. You know, it's just such an up and down. Yeah. Um, So I think, of course, it ultimately turned into a high. But um, in the moment, it felt like, oh, gosh, this is so hard. Like a low. So hard. Yeah. Family is hard. (laughs) I know. Yeah. You're just like want to be loving and setting boundaries is loving, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Totally. In the moment. So, um, well, that is actually a good segue to our interview that we have coming up. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So corner of the curve this week, we are starting some interviews. So we're going to be doing these off and on um, as our main segment. And this week we have our first one. So many of our interviews will be with our Curvy Yoga teachers, but not all of them. We'll kind of have a mix. And this week we are kicking off with one of our faves, Tammy Hackbarth. And Tammy is an incredible life coach, yoga teacher, just all around human. (laughs) Um, And she is a Curvy Yoga Certified Teacher. And she, I don't know about you, Liz, I felt like she shared so many gems in this conversation. we walked away from, well, we hung up from from recording. And I was like, I can't wait for this to be posted so that I I can listen to it again. (laughs) 
know. Because it is really good. Like you might want to take notes. I know. If it you really have time is. to sit down and take notes because there is so many. It's one of those things that you'll have to listen to a couple of times. There were, I remember a couple of times that you and I, after something she said, were just like, wow, followed by silence. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, she's totally reading my notes. Like, get out of my life, Tammy. <laughs> no one invited you here. <laughs> Except that we did, and we're so glad we did. <laughs> we totally did. Yes. So, so good. she shares a big gem at the beginning of this conversation related, actually, to what I was just talking about, about boundaries and self-care. I bet, actually, our conversation made me think, like, oh, I need to set this boundary. <laughs> her low this week is, is or your low this week is her fault. <laughs> Okay, so let's get into the conversation. Here is Tammy. Yes. Hey, Anna here, just popping back in for a second to let you know there are a few curse words in our interview. So if you have little ones nearby, you might like to put on some headphones. Okay. Hi, everybody. Liz and I are here with Tammy Hackbarth, one of our all-time faves. So yes. when I was thinking about our conversation, Tammy, I was thinking, I feel like Tammy has been connected with me and Curvy Yoga since like the very first blog post. Does that seem true? <laughs> totally. Yeah, from way back. So I found the blog posts that you and your fellow It's All Yoga yogis did with me. And that was in April 2011. So we've clearly known each other longer than that. And in those blog posts, you shared about what it was like to do a curvy yoga photo shoot at the studio, as well as your thoughts on yoga and accessibility. And I reread those posts and they still hold up. So I will share those. And then we also did a written interview together. You did curvy yoga certification. We've met in person a couple times. So we go way back. You've also met Liz. Yep. Um, And you've also done a lot of cool different things in your life. So you have worked in politics as an elementary school teacher, as a yoga teacher, and now Tammy is a coach who helps people with how to get your time and energy back when you feel overwhelmed so you can go after your big life goals. How great is that? So welcome, Tammy. Thank you. I'm super happy to be here with you guys. I love talking with my people. Yeah. yeah. It's the best. All right. Well, let's just jump in right there with what I just mentioned. So tell us about getting your time and energy back when you feel overwhelmed, because I feel like that applies to 99.99% of people. Well, I think, and it's never anyone's good news where they're like, so how do you do that? And um, here's the big answer. Are you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. It's about setting boundaries. Oh, that part. Yeah. <laughs> and boundaries tends to make people really sweaty, mm-hmm. except except when I, 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 this is how I phrase it for people. When we are talking about boundaries, I say, imagine that you live in a house and they're like, that's not hard because I do. And I'm like, great. <laughs> I said, um, imagine that you've built a white picket fence around said house and they say, okay, got it. And I said, and you have a little dog 
And they say, got it. And I'm like, and when you open the front door, where does the dog go? And they're like, into the yard. I'm like, it doesn't go on the sidewalk now, does it? And they're like, no. And I'm like, so you're protecting your pet by having the fence. Hmm. And I said, yes, that's great. And I said, and then you're outside with your dog and somebody walks by on the sidewalk with their big dog. The big dog doesn't get in to get your little dog because you have the fence. Mm. So your boundaries yeah. not only keep your your little self safe, but it also keeps things from the outside getting in to hurt you. Yeah. So it's all about protection and setting up what you want to be okay in your life. So it's just like deciding what's okay with you and what isn't okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I like how that kind of takes, I feel like boundaries so often has kind of a charge to it. But when you think about putting a fence around your house to protect your dog, it's like a no brainer that you would do that. Yeah, I, I agree that there is a charge to it. And I think there's this resistance of of standing up and saying, well, this is okay with me and this isn't. Because yeah. if you've been somebody who's been more of a, oh, just go along to get along person, which I have been before in my life, and it was easy because people wanted to hang out with me and they were nice to me because I was busy mm-hmm. doing all their stuff for them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when I start, so, and then strangely enough, when I was like, hey, I have to place this boundary now, because our relationship doesn't work anymore because I've added people to my family or my circumstances have changed. Those people were pissed or they were disappointed or they were pushing back on the boundary to see if they could push through it. And I was like, oh my God. So not only do I have to set this boundary, I have to hold it. Yeah. And so then I was met with a lot of discomfort with like, what does it mean for me? What does it mean for them? Is this exhausting? Is this worth it? Why am I doing this? So it brings up a lot of like internal chatter. Right. Yeah. And how I can't relate to any of that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, what's the next question? Um, How do you (laughs) navigate some of those things, especially when people are pushing back? That's a good question. Because I think it depends on the work that you've done for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, like really looking at so why are you setting this boundary? Like what? So let's, I became a mom later in my life. So I had like years and years and years of being a certain way at work. Mm -hmm. And right before I became a mom, I had to change things because I was, um, well, my role in life was changing. And so I couldn't be available for work in the same ways because my life circumstances were changing. And so some of the people in my teaching world were kind of prickly about like, well, why can't you do that? And who are you? And without saying it, who do you think you are to set this boundary mm-hmm. when I'm not setting that boundary with my time and my energy? And I was like, well, that's your problem. I'm gonna be over here setting the boundary with me. Right. Right. And it also happened a bunch with friends mm. after I became a mom, because I'm going to tell you, becoming a mom at 40, mm. I had 
decade long friendships where I was the easy person. Like, where do you want to go to eat? I don't care. Yeah. What do you want to do? I don't care. Which makes me laugh now because all I care about is my needs being met now. <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm a mom and I'm like, oh no, I'm the decider now. But <laughs> I got I got pushed back from friends and I was like, dang, this is uncomfortable. But mm. I realized I couldn't give um, to my friends in the same way because I had less energy and time because my daughter was occupying that energy and time. Yeah. I recently had a conversation with a friend um, about how in a similar way that can happen if you are the single person in a group of married friends mm-hmm. um, that you kind of become, there's no boundaries for you because you don't have another person that you're tending to as far as like a partner relationship. So mm-hmm. you're kind of asked constantly for things um, and you can kind of fall into that role of just being that person in those friendships if you are not good about setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you free, if you look at boundaries as just, and I, I think this definition came from a girlfriend, Brene Brown. So if you guys get her on, make sure you try to hook a sister up. <laughs> uh, boundaries is just figuring out what is okay with you and what isn't. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it really yeah. simplifies things when you it just really say does. It like that. Yeah. But, well, it, but it's, it's one of those things that's simple but not easy. Oh, yeah. Totally, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we can just end this right here. It's been great, Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad. I was like, I have some wait, things was... I need to go think about. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a second. What? What was the question again? What was, <laughs> was the question? The original question? Oh my gosh! No one knows. <laughs> yeah, it was um the our very first question was about how do we get our time and energy back when we feel overwhelmed, and then you said yeah. boundaries. That's that's literally one way. Right? So <laughs> boundaries is one way you get your time and energy back. Um, putting so that's boundaries. So I guess I'm going to say another thing about boundaries is like figuring out what is a yes for you and what is a no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just recently spent a bunch of time with our another um, uh, mutual friend, Rosie Molinari. Mm, yeah. And she, she, oh my God, I love her so much because she is such a systems thinker. I'm this like big picture, like I painted this big picture. Let's figure out the details. I'm like, okay, I'm going to handle like 30% of the details, but if you could fill in the rest. And Rosie's like, I will do 110% of the details. So she <laughs> she developed this wholehearted continuum. And in order for her to say yes, she has to go through six different steps. And I was like, wow, tell me your magic. So, and I wrote it on the big, I wrote it on the cover of a notebook that I put every single thing that's floating around my head, like my giant master to-do list, which I do yeah. keep as a running list. I keep it in its own separate folder. Mm-hmm. And that step one is you're simply, you're thrilled to be asked like, oh my God, I totally hope I get to do that. Wow. And, and then, so then you look at your calendar and then you anticipate like, yay, I get to do that. And I'm excited to do it. And then you're happy to prepare for it. And then when you're actually at the event, you're excited to be there. Mm. And then this one, then the last two are the ones that killed me because they're very rosy ways to say it is uh, willing to move trash. And I was like, well, I'm going to need a California native um, definition of willing to move trash. (laughs) That's a (laughs) Southern thing, I guess. (laughs) Right. And she said, 
if you're willing to move trash, so say you're at an event and the time is up and it's time to put the tables and the chairs and collect all the garbage and, and, and really help the organizers break down and roll all the stuff out to the rental. And I was like, I don't know if I've ever wanted to move trash or anything, but I, <laughs> but your thing. And then, and then she's like, and then there's a step beyond that. Wow. And that is being willing to savor the event. So if the event has like a closing ritual, like uh, writing a testimonial or writing thank you cards or sending the follow-up emails or doing a blog post or whatever. And I was like, dang, I'm not going to say yes to anything anymore. steps. I literally just thought to myself, I don't even know if I want to take showers. Right. <laughs> Totally optional. Showers are overrated. My hair looks fantastic. <laughs> I wash it. Um, don't but... get Liz on to dry shampoo. We'll never end this podcast. <laughs> oh, but yeah, don't. That's a whole separate podcast. Yeah, and can't wait to listen to it. But that's the <laughs> oh, it's coming. Right? But when we get it really clear, if we can, if we can wholeheartedly, right? So this is Rosie's wholehearted continuum. If we can get really, really clear about, so let, let's just say uh, a random friend asked you to go out to, oh, here's one. Can I, can I pick your brain? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? oh, no. Yeah. Are you thrilled to be asked? If no. The answer, no. There you go. No. Say a, a new person in your life that you're interested in becoming friends with says, hey, do you want to go out to coffee? Then you go, am I thrilled to be asked? You're like, oh, my new chosen person has asked me to go out to coffee. Let yeah. me see if I can do that. So yes. Am I eager to go? Clearly, because I looked at my calendar. Am I happy to prepare? What, what would happy to prepare look like for a coffee date? I'm going to pick a cute outfit. Yeah. I'm going to figure out a good place to go. Am I joyfully present? I have to say I am pretty damn happy wherever I go because, you know, I'm bringing my own company. Am I willing to crash? Meaning I don't know what it would be in the coffee situation. And then willing to savor. So if they asked you a favor, would you follow up on it? Hmm. So I might ask to that person in that scenario. But if you took every activity that you are asked through this continuum, suddenly you're like, well, I've got a shit ton of time on my uh, schedule all of a sudden. Because I don't want to do the PTA thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go on the field trip. I yeah. don't want to uh, do this blogger event for exposure. Like, we can really um, cut down a lot of overwhelm when we get really clear on what's a yes. Yeah. Because if it's a yes, it's a no. Yeah, that's really good. Well, and I feel like having a list like that makes it so much easier because you're not kind of getting in the mix of what is this person going to think or whatever. You know, you're just like, boom, 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 boom through the list. Here's my answer. Right. Well, also, so what do you do when somebody says, um, do you want to do X? My go-to answer is, I got to check my schedule. Mm-hmm. That's good. And I leave my schedule at home on purpose. Yeah, that's good. So I just give myself space between the ask and the answer. Mm-hmm. So pro tip, guys, this is like salary negotiation. Don't say yes to the first thing. Say, mm-hmm. I got to have some time to think it through. Mm-hmm. And then if it's a no, you can come back with, I don't know, what is a million scripts? I'm not taking on this kind of project at this time, or I don't have um, 
time in my schedule for this kind of appointment right now. Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. Um, my recently plate is somebody, full. <laughs> my plate is full. Somebody asked me uh, a couple of years ago, they walked up to me in the hallway at school and there's like, hey, the PTA needs a vice president or president. I was like, okay. And she's like, so do you want to be president or vice president? And I was like, that is hilarious. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to be either. And she's like, well, I'll be president. You be vice president. I was like, no, I'm totally serious. I'm out. I don't want to do either. She's like, you didn't even think about it. I was like, oh, no, I've been thinking about this since I became a mother. (laughs) Just in case this ever came up, I was going to say no. I have said no to that same question. Right, because and, and, and the truly the simple answer is I don't want to. Yeah. That's the best reason for not doing something. I don't want to. Right. <laughs> well, then it. you're just going to be resentful the whole time anyway. Maybe there's somebody who would really love doing that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And people, when they ask you to do stuff, it's it's less personal. I mean, people ask you to go to their wedding and they know that at least half of the people they invite are going to say no. Right. right. That's a wedding. And you like have a personal stake in like being invited to someone's wedding. And if they are 50-50 on whether or not you're going to say yes or no, I'm pretty sure somebody asking you to be on the board of an organization, they have other people in mind. Right. And if yeah. they don't, short-sighted. Yeah. On their part, not yours. Yeah, right. right. So. So good. Okay, next question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what did the idea of yoga practice mean to you when you first started? And what does it mean to you now? Oh my God. When I first started, oh my, I, I was, A, it was like 20 years ago Mm. and it was vinyasa Mm -hmm. because I was like, oh my God, there's a thing. It was like a cheerleading routine I could learn. And I was like, (laughs) I love this. Super hard. And I was like, I can do it. So, um, it started out as like a very scripted thing I did with my body. Mm-hmm. And then I was shocked and thrilled to find out Shavasana happened at the end of every class. I was yes. like, oh, my God, I hope the laying down part happens. Yes. And then when it kept happening, I was like, i got to stick with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what has evolved into is this, um, I will say that m- my mat time is about 0.0001% right now Mm -hmm. yeah and most of my yoga are the other seven limbs yeah yes we're getting there yeah 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 and it's not to say that asana isn't important especially as you're aging for like you know keeping the bod moving and able to move but the the mental aspects of it and the the dharmic aspects of it have been speaking to me much more yeah. as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. So what does your real life yoga, maybe that includes meditation or other things, but and or body acceptance practice look like? I imagine it ties into some of what we were talking about earlier about what are you wanting to be doing with your time and your energy? Well, my yoga practice is almost exclusively restorative mm-hmm. when it happens because as people may have ascertained, 
I'm an intense personality. <laughs> I am I am made of fire with a little bit of wind, which just makes more fire. Yes. So I don't need an intense yoga practice. So mm -hmm. it's it's counterintuitive. You're like, yeah, but yoga can be a workout. I'm like, oh, I don't need a workout. I don't need more intensity. So yeah. um, my yoga is restorative. I almost always in my meditation, I'm like this renegade meditator where I will get into a restorative pose to meditate. Mm. So that I'm double dipping because yep. you, know, you still got to be once type A, always type A. <laughs> and it's really, it's a really good practice for me of allowing myself to be supported, allowing myself to slow down, allowing myself to feel deeply held and comforted and that sort of tender nurturing part of restorative and um, meditation has I think extended my um, executive function about three seconds. So I have this pause when I'm when I'm in consistent practice with meditation. I can hear in my head when I'm about to lose my shit with my kid. Yeah, and I can make a different decision. Sometimes mm -hmm. I choose to go with the first, like, oh, I'm going to yell. But a lot of times I'll go, not the parent who you want to be. So what right. could you do instead? Hmm. When I'm not meditating, it's like it goes in the other direction. and I'm just a crazed lunatic. I'm like, wow, it's amazing what 10 to 15 minutes of meditation can do for my parenting. Mm -hmm. It's shocking. And uh, my meditation practice has um, uh, eliminated the vast majority of my self-doubt Mm. My meditation practice has eliminated, uh, I don't know, the, the, you know, that, that like that nagging, you're not good enough yeah. to this. You're not enough of that. I, I don't know exactly why that happens, but that's been my experience. Um, and how this all plays into my body acceptance practice is. A, it is a practice and I come back to it all the time, mm -hmm. all the time, every day, within every hour. Um, one of the, and I'm not one to give big pieces of advice, you know, because coaches don't give advice, but I will say that buying clothes, adorable clothes that fit the body yep. I have Yep. <laughs> that allow me to move, that allow me to like express my personality, that allow me to show up as who I am, um, makes a huge difference. Because yeah. if I'm wearing pants that are uncomfortable, I'm yeah. going to think about how much I hate my body. Mm -hmm. yes. Even yeah. when intellectually I know it's not my body, it's the pants. Yeah, totally. But if I'm wearing clothes that I can freely move in, that I can eat lunch in, <laughs> that I can, quite frankly, bust a yoga move in because all my clothes are stretchy, yeah, right. Like then I don't have to think about my body, and I can just appreciate what it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that That's is life-changing like advice right there. Yeah. Oh my I god. I think about that too. I think about that a lot, and I, I think that there's something in that about. Um, letting go of uh, like a number in your head that you feel like has to be on that tag that's on the inside of your clothes. 
which is completely random. Right. right. It's totally random. Like, it's, okay, can we just talk about, like, how made up that is? Mm -hmm. It's made up to begin with. And then it's non-standard fantasy fairy tale land stuff. We're like, oh, I'm a size two. At what store? Right. (laughs) Because I can be a size two. Are you a size two at Lane Bryant? Mm -hmm. Are you a size two at J. Crew? Right. It's all made up. So let's cut the tags out and find clothes that look and feel fantastic. Because you can have both if you allow yourself. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. That's so mm-hmm. good. So you mentioned just a second ago um, that actual asana is a small part of your yoga practice right now. So <laughs> what does yoga off the mat look like for you? Good question. Yoga off the mat looks like meditation. Mm-hmm. Yoga off the mat looks like practicing self-compassion all day long. And when I sell, when people are like, what, the heck, what is self-compassion? It sounds fancy. Maybe I want to get some of that. I'm <laughs> like, well, there's a book and I will tell you it's three things. And you, so you don't even have to read the book. It's speaking kindly to yourself as if you like yourself. Um, the second thing is looking out into the eyes of other humans and being like, dude, you're imperfect. I'm imperfect. We're all in this together. I'm not going to judge you. How about you don't judge me? And then we give like the secret handshake of like, I'm offering you grace. Yeah. And the third part is um, mindfulness. And I just, that's just paying attention when I'm being a jerk to myself. I'm like, whoa there, tiger. Remember, we don't do this anymore. Yeah. What's going on? Are you hungry? Are you tired? Are your pants too tight? Did right. you Get in a fight with somebody. Deal with that instead of being mean to yourself. Or when I'm comparing myself to others or being mean to others, I'm like, hey, remember how we're not doing that anymore because we're trying to live in a more compassionate space? Let's Mm. do that. And trying to live in a really... um, And it's not... Okay. And not in a spiritual bypass way, like, oh, everything's just great. Because everything is not just great, and it's not just great for everyone. Right. So acknowledging that there are real, systematic, giant problems we have to deal with, and we can also uh, come together in community together. Like, there's there's just there's a lot of moving parts to to living a life with yoga off the mat and none which involve insulting people with like, Hey, let's only have positive vibrations around here. Right. Right? (laughs) I don't have those. I mean, I guess I do, but not in the, like in the absence of, um, reality. So a couple of years ago, um, I got a chance to see Sean Acor talk and he wrote a book called the happiness advantage. Mm. And it's all about brain research and what you could do to essentially be happier at work. And, and, um, and he, and it's about optimism and happiness. And, and, and so one of I always have my clients do a gratitude list and they, God, every single one of them resists because it sounds stupid. (laughs) It's like, what, that's dumb. How's that going to change my life? And so this is the analogy I give them. I said, let's imagine that we're in Paris 
And they're like, I've never been to Paris. I'm like, well, I'm about to give you a big, big surprise. I'm like, <laughs> look out and imagine you're in Paris and look out into the distance. And what do you see? And they're like, I see the Eiffel Tower. I'm like, that's amazing. Keep walking towards the Eiffel Tower. And they're like, I will do that. And then they do. And I'm like, hey, you know, you just stepped in. And they're like, what? I'm like, the city is covered in dog poo. <laughs> so what we want to do with our gratitude is we want to be able to see both the Eiffel Tower, what is in front of us, and the dog poo, which is the reality. So we keep an eye on the reality, on the sidewalk, and an eye to the future, which is what we want to see. We want to see the beauty and the reality in both. Hmm. And we have, we ha I look at it as we have two hands so we can hold two things at once. And we can both notice in the midst of terrible shit, hence the dog poop on the sidewalk, and the Eiffel Tower. So a few years ago, three years ago, my mom died. And I was pairing a, parenting a toddler. And then another relative was like, no, 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 your year hasn't been crappy enough. I'm going to get sick and then die within a year. Mm. <clears throat> and that was arguably one of the worst years of my life. Yeah. And it was also one of the years that I experienced some of the deepest joy. Yeah. Because I was paying attention to the parts of my life that were good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So... Yeah. I feel like that what you just offered of holding two things yeah. in both hands just applies to so many different parts of life. And I'm thinking about it in relationship to our bodies where I feel like a similar thing can happen in body acceptance where it's like, if you're not feeling exclusively positive about your body at all times, then you're failing. And I feel like my experience is very much like the holding thing, holding two things where a negative thought still comes up. It's not as much as it used to. I definitely can see so many changes over the years, but also I can like hold that vision for the future and let them meet. And they often meet in the place of tools. So for example, if that negative thought pops up, instead of just automatically believing it, kind of similar to what you're sharing about um, as a parent where you're just like in the yelling before you even notice it. Um, now I feel like I'm able to be like, oh, hang on, I'm having this thought. So what else is going on here? And often it is things like, am I hungry or tired or are my pants uncomfortable or whatever? Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering how you bridge some of these things or what has surprised you most about working with your own body acceptance? Well, I just say, uh, you know, I, I think we met in 2009. Mm -hmm. Probably, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, which is completely bonkers. And one of the, the most life-changing things that you ever offered as a possibility, because I was on board with body positivity before I, I, as an idea, as a concept, I was like, yes, this is, I mean, it's such a feminist, uh, like, I was deeply drawn to it because of the, like, yes, we are more than the shell that we drag around mm -hmm. and we need to honor that shell because without it, we don't exist. Right. So I was on board way before I was on board and practicing. And so one of the things that was like mind blowingly simple and so life changing for me was when you offered the idea of body positivity and, 
body acceptance on a continuum from hate to love Mm. with neutrality Mm -hmm. being in the middle. And rather than have love be my um, goal, neutrality was my goal. Wow. Yeah. Because here's the thing, like I'm a 110% kind of gal. And if I fail to meet that 110%, so that's how I'm a Enneagram one. I'm very like driven and rules and this and that. And so if I can't be the best, then I was like, forget it. But when you offered that middle path, I was like, oh my God, thank you for articulating that that can be an option because it freed up so much. My body didn't have to be an ideal. It didn't have to be all wrong or all right. It had to be useful. Yeah. And that was so, so helpful. And I, I actually, I taught a, a curvy yoga segment of a yoga teacher training the other day. Mm-hmm. And I offered that continuum. And I just saw like 10 people's minds be blown. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you're welcome. Yeah. Like the comedy's free. And so are the truth bombs. Like you don't have to love it. <laughs> but yeah. like there's this thing that we can just be like, we can be neutral about it. And like how revolutionary is that? Oh my gosh. And then. Once you reach that, so maybe they, you move a little bit either way, but it feels less charged. Yeah, totally. Well, that's a great segue to my next question. So as an Enneagram one, <laughs> how do you handle, after you've kind of been in this for a while, not um, maybe not practicing, however you're practicing yoga in whatever season of life you're in, how do you handle not practicing or not feeling like practicing versus how you may have handled it 20 years ago or 10 years ago or five years ago or last week or whatever? Okay. So see earlier comment about all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> right? Um, I have a gold medal in all or nothing. And what I figured out finally, finally is all that does is make me unhappy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my goal in life is to um, is to be new. I, I'm going in this like continuum thing is just to be somewhere in the middle. So sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. What my life motto is is don't quit. Mm. Yeah. I mean, unless That's it's good. dumb stuff like you should quit, like a terrible job, an abusive spouse, like those are no brainers. You just get the hell out as fast as you can. Right. But like I, I have shifted my um, perspective on say, let's talk about exercise. Everybody's favorite topic, which <laughs> everybody's favorite topic to go. Here's my confession. I don't do it enough. I'm like, congratulations. Right. No one does it enough. Mm-hmm. So in my 20s, exercise was all about, I, there was this association with, if I exercise, I will look a certain way. Right. And so I did. And then years later, I figured out, out <laughs> that's funny. I was just somebody that looked like that, that exercised. Exercise did not do that to my body. Mm-hmm. So there was that. And then as I grew older, I used exercise kind of as punishment because my body didn't look like it did in those 20s. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to get you back, body. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a miserable failure because exercising because you're mad at yourself, that feels terrible. So in my 40s, I made peace with it. And it goes like this. My mom died when she was young. Mm. I don't want to die while my kid still needs me. 
And one of the things I need to do in order to make that happen and so is to exercise. And it's not because I want to look a certain way. It's because I want to feel a certain way. And the things that exercise provide me, um, clear state of mental health, um, some, I, I stomp around my neighborhood like a crazy person listening to political podcasts. It's a great way to, <laughs> while I'm like faxing, you know, using ResistBot on my phone to contact my members of Congress. People, I don't to do this. I'm like, girl, I am, do- I am multitasking. I'm brushing my teeth yes. and texting Diane Feinstein. I'm like <laughs> stomping around and like sending fax zeros to Lindsey Graham. Like it can be done. Um, so I'm looking at this in my 40s as like how how do I keep not quitting? Yeah. And how I keep not quitting is every day when I do it, I'm like, congratulations, you get to do this again tomorrow. Yeah. And if I don't do it, I'm like, congratulations, you get to do this again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Just congratulations, because there's no finish line anymore. I'm not going to do this to reach a certain size. I'm not going to do this to win some award. I'm not going to do this to finish some race. I'm doing this so that the quality of my life as I age goes up or I maintain what I have into a longer time because I want to be mobile and strong and flexible as I age so that I can spend more quality time with my, my kid who's still really young. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it kind of reminds me of that conversation we were just, well, really, we had two kind of continuum conversations with Ro- about Rosie and then about um, body acceptance from hate to love. It's kind of like when you find that more neutral place, it does take away the end goal that we think exists but actually doesn't exist and lets you be more just in your everyday life, which I think is a lot less, the stakes are so much less high. Exactly. And then if you miss a day, it's not an attack on your character. If you right. miss a month, yeah. it's you're not a terrible person. And blah, blah, right. blah, blah. I mean, I had a client who came to me because she wanted to exercise regularly because and I was like, okay, so why? Mm-hmm. And after a literally like she, we, she keeps coming back. And so I finally was like, so what's your real why? Yeah. Because when she said she started because my doctor said and blah, blah, blah. And she's got, you know, some long term stuff going on. But I was like, yeah, it's probably beneficial. But until you get to your real why you're doing it. Yeah. Like why you are doing it. Yeah. And she and she was like, finally, she was like, I, I don't want this to get in the way of having a healthy and happy retirement. Mm -hmm. I don't want to work all this time in pain so that I can just be in pain later. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I hear you. I would that I was like, but that's not my why. Mm-hmm. So once once you get to your own why of why you're doing it, it becomes much easier. And I love this idea of taking the charge out because there's no expectation on the outcome. Right. Yeah. And there's no guarantee of outcome anyway. That's right. right. Yeah. You're that's right. the kick in the pants. That, uh, P.S. Everyone, so if you good. take nothing else, there's no outcome. There's no yeah. guaranteed outcome. You could, I don't know trained for a marathon and yeah so what in your life changes you got a medal right and or maybe you break your ankle the day before like you just never know <laughs> you know right or maybe yeah. you decide screw this it's too hard mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. it feels like punishment and what's the best reason for not doing something i don't want to right, right. <laughs> yeah turns out i don't want to do that yeah. yeah that's so good all of it 
Okay, so second to last question here. What advice do you have for people who either don't know how to get started or feel stuck with yoga practice and or body acceptance? If you want to get start with started with yoga practice, one restorative pose a day. Perfect. That's great. Just bust out, set your timer, five minutes, shavasana. That's it. Do yeah. nothing else. And then build up to a 30-minute shavasana. Shit will change your life because you'll go through the whole range of your emotions. And literally nothing has changed. You'll cry. You'll laugh. You'll probably fall asleep. So one restorative. And what was the other part of the question? Um, same thing for you, but for body acceptance. Oh, body acceptance. Oh, that is so oh, God. Well, <laughs> so practice, practice self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Get into talking to yourself as if you're somebody that you love. If you wouldn't say it to your best friend, don't say it to yourself. When you see somebody out in the world, offer them grace. Like I see you, you imperfect being good for you and pay attention to when you're being mean to yourself and other people. Yeah. You know, I did something similar near the beginning of my own body acceptance journey and it felt kind of overwhelming to think about doing that for the rest of my life. I did it for <laughs> maybe two two weeks, maybe a month. I don't really remember. Mm-hmm. And that was enough to really shift it to where I started to notice when those things were coming back around um, after that. So for anybody who's like, oh, my gosh, how? Give yourself maybe a little time boundary and try it. Um, and oh, see totally. And see starts to sink in. Well, that's one of my big, people are like, how do you consistently add habits? Because mm. I am a habit fool. And I, I, I trick myself into doing it by saying, you only have to do it for this amount of time. And you're just doing it to see what it would feel like. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Right? That's good. Wow. Because, yeah. because I can do anything for X, Y, Z amount of time. I pretty much think I can do nothing forever. So... But if you put if you string a bunch of experiments together, then you can do it. People ask all the time too because we've been I've been together with my husband for 23 years. Amazing. And we've been married for 18 years. And people are like, oh my god, that's so long. And I'm like, well, yeah. Except what how I look at us, we we renegotiate the the terms of our contract every few years. We're like, you still in? You still in? What needs to change? Yeah. What needs? And it's the idea that like. You're in constant negotiation for long-term things, which is what's working, what isn't working, what what needs to change, what do you need to scrap? And, you know, sometimes when you do an experiment, you're like, that experiment sucked. <laughs> yeah. That was terrible. And other experiments, like I started my gratitude practice like 12 years ago because I was going to prove everybody wrong. And by everybody, I mean Oprah, because I think <laughs> Oprah lost her damn mind. I was like, you want to tell me, person with the world stage, you want to tell me to write down things I'm grateful for and it will change my life? You have lost your damn mind. So I did it because I was going <laughs> to prove Oprah wrong. I'm here to tell you guys, Oprah was right. <laughs> Oprah is right. Oprah was right. And I'm just telling you, again, just if you think something's dumb, try it. Mm-hmm. Can I can I be really controversial here for a second? Yes. Sure. 
Okay. There is a... Uh, she's an Instagram star. She has a book. She has a podcast. She's a very popular book. She has a podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm like, oh, let me differentiate. She has four children. She... Anyway, people are on fire about this woman. On fire. So I was like, and of course I'm thinking, she doesn't really do anything for me. But before I decide she doesn't do anything for me, I read her book. Because I'm like, there's a lot of people I know, like, and trust and respect that are like, woohoo, this person. And I read her book and I was like, yeah, meh. She's not my person. Mm-hmm. And the idea is like, but I want to make sure she's not my person. So I did an experiment. I yeah. checked around her website. It was like, not for me. I listened to a couple of podcasts. I'm like, I might have to stab my eardrums out. <laughs> then I read her book and I was like, that was kind of drivel. The parts that weren't kind of watered down things that should have been attributed to other people were kind of drivel. So mm-hmm. not my person. So again, experiments don't always lead to like, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. Right. They could lead to, I never want to do that again. But that's just an opportunity to find what is your next experiment. Right. You're giving, giving yourself that information you wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. Like I accidentally quit drinking four years ago. Because I was like, what would my life feel like without this? Yeah, that's so good. The answer was, oh, oh shit, fantastic. Say, yeah. You didn't say to yourself, I'm going to quit drinking. You just said, let me see what this would be like. Yes. And you know how I quit smoking? Wow. I kept cigarettes and said, I'm choosing not to smoke anymore today. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Today. I'm choosing not to do this today. I am pretty sure that's some freedom and some space. Yeah, exactly. And I'm pretty sure that's an AA trick where you're like, you're choosing every day not to do the thing. Well, okay. And sometimes you're choosing every day not to do something. And sometimes you're choosing every day to do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I like this idea of treating ourselves like grownups. Like I can make decisions. Yeah. That's so good. Right. I can try things and see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And then if it sucked, I can say Oprah was wrong. Yeah. Except she's not. (laughs) Well, and I, Anna and I have been talking about this, and then I recorded a podcast about this the other day that I think so many times when we do those things like the, I'm going to quit drinking, or I'm going to quit smoking, or I'm going to start exercising, or I'm going to lose weight, or whatever it is, those are not our expectations of ourselves. Those are expectations that other people have or that our culture has that we then take on, which is why it doesn't work for us because they're not ours. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Right. And you have to be clear about like, again, what your why is like, why are you doing that? Yeah. And I quit drinking because I was like, is this adding anything to my life? I think it might be taking things away. But the only way I'll know that is if I take it out completely to see what it was, because I had already been like, well, what if I have one kind of drink versus another kind of drink? And what if I have just a little and I was like, geez, that is like a 15 year science experiment you've done there. Yeah. <laughs> I have an idea. Why don't you just try not having any and see what happens? Yeah. That's but good. Then, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Right. But then there, then there's also the negotiation of like, okay, so then you take something out of your life. What do you fill it with? Yeah. Right. And then how do you navigate those conversations and those situations where it comes up and blah, blah, blah. And so it's not all roses. And, and most people, 
don't get through these things by themselves. Yeah. Right. They, they work with a coach or they, they have a good group of other friends who are on their sort of path to like getting to this really deep, meaningful life, which is not on accident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Okay. Final question open floor, if there's anything else that you would like to say that we haven't already covered. And t tell us about some, some things that you've got going on that you're doing if we haven't already talked about it. Okay. So in November, and I'm not sure where this is going out, but in November, uh, another local uh, blogger and influencer, her name is Cache. She, she blogs the Cache Life. We are doing a November challenge. And so what that's going to be is a four week little mini course on how to say no. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it was that's not my good, idea. Especially with the holidays coming. That's really good. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, that's one of our exercises is like, um, if you were actually in charge of the holidays, what would they look like? What would they sound like? What would they taste like? Who would be there? And compare it to what you have yeah. and then what's one thing that you could do to make your fantasy holiday come true. I mean, wow. we already had a conversation earlier about, I don't want to sit in traffic on holidays. Yeah. So I had to have really uncomfortable conversations with all of my in-laws and my own parents where I was like, you guys can totally come to us on the holidays. That would be great. But we are not driving in California traffic because it's terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was so uncomfortable and feelings were hurt and all that. And then we didn't go. We spent the holidays by ourselves and it was fantastic. Yeah. And everybody got over it and we can move the days of the holidays if we need to. Right. So we've got the November uh, challenge coming up. Um, I'm starting a podcast soon where I'm going to be talking about all sorts of things about time and energy and actually how to how to create time. People are like, how do you create time? I'm like, well, that's a good question. We're going to answer that over the next few months and how to create and sustain energy. Cause the, the things that people come to me, uh, to be coached on, they're like, I have this big project or this idea and I have no time to implement it. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's going to be rooting around in your life to figure out what you can say no to so that you can say yes to the thing that you want to say yes to. Yeah. That's good. We will make sure to include links to all of Tammy's social media so that you can keep up with her and you don't forget about these things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know people uh, are frantically right now. Like, how do I remember? How do I remember? Yeah. Mm. And on Instagram, Cash and I are going to be doing a lot of uh, talking about saying no and setting boundaries in November. So you can follow both of us there. I can just feel the mad dash to your Instagram right now. Well, thank you so much, Tammy. It's been wonderful to talk with you. Really appreciate everything that you've shared. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. I'm going to go back and listen again. You should listen again um, and just take as much as you can from it. Um, so the next thing we're going to talk about is Curvy Collab. So I have a resource for the week. Um, it's a little different. It's a resource for me. Hopefully you'll feel that way too, but it's definitely something that we should all be aware of. There is a clothing company called universal standard and they've always offered, 
um, extended sizes, but they're extending, extending their sizes. So now they go, they're like zero through 40. I think that line launches tomorrow. Amazing. And it's, I mean, beautiful, just kind of like really basic clothing. Um, I could talk about plus size clothing for days and days and days, but (laughs) they've really done an amazing job of, um, just creating this line that will fit every single woman. So, uh, and and not, it's not only that they've extended their sizes, but their models are real. They're real, real, real women. So mm-hmm. you can go follow them on Instagram. It's just Universal Standard. Um, beautiful clothing, beautiful women to look at. Uh, go follow them right now. And didn't you tell me that they do something if your body is changing oh, with their clothes? Yes. How could I miss that? So. If you order a piece of clothing from them and your body changes within a year of purchasing that item, so whatever, and that that item does not fit you anymore, they will exchange the item in your new size. That is amazing. Which is like, I mean, I don't like, (laughs) that's who's, who does that? Nobody does that. So yeah. So you have a year from the date of purchase. If you need a different size, they will exchange it out for you. Okay, so we're all going to go follow them immediately. Yes, Universal (laughs) Standard, and yes, I'm so excited about them. Okay, so let's get into our gratitude. Yes. Okay, what's your gratitude for this week? So my gratitude for this week is that I know some really incredible men Mm. which, you know, there's so much going on in our culture right now. We don't even need to, like, get into it. We all know what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about. Um, That I just feel so thankful for some men in my life, uh, some of my kids' coaches, some of their teachers, some personal friends, who are just incredible men who are advocating for women who have really taken um, their own process of healing um, as their responsibility and they're being like really proactive in healing themselves so that they can be, so that they can show up for their families, for their communities, for the people in their lives. Um, So I've just been thinking about those men this week um, and just the contribution that they are to the world and how great they are. So I'm thankful to just know some really, some really great men. Yeah. Out there doing the work. Yeah, totally. So mine is a friend of mine. So she sent a text the other day um, to 10 of her friends asking us for a love note because she needed some support. Oh, I love that. And I was just like, this is the best thing. I was so excited to send her that note. (laughs) Like, I got the text, and I immediately just thought of 10 things I loved about her. I sent it to her. I was like, this list is so easy to make. You're very lovable. This is the best. And it, like, I think she appreciated what I sent, but it was just such a reciprocal thing where I felt so happy (laughs) that she asked and that I got to send that. Um, and I felt so inspired by her role modeling of asking for that support from her friends, because I feel like so often we're not as direct as that. Um, we're maybe like 
hoping that somebody will do that if we're having yeah, a Yeah, or time. we don't even know that that's what we need to ask for. Right, yeah. yeah. And she was just like, this happened. This is what I need. Thank you. <laughs> it was just very yeah. direct. Um, so I'm thankful for that experience and that um, modeling. Maybe I will try something like that um, in the future. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. That's great. Well, we are going to wrap it up by just taking one deep breath together. So inhale and exhale. The light in me honors the light in you. Namaste. Namaste.